FM Radio for the Agile Community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode in the first episode of uh, 2020 uh, on Agile FM. And uh, today's guest is uh, Ryan Ripley. And Ryan Ripley, um, which you probably have heard of, if in a few moments you're going to hear his voice, and the voice is probably going to sound very, very familiar because he is the producer of the podcast Agile for uh, Humans. Not that this podcast here, Agile FM, is not for humans, <laughs> but uh, this is Agile FM. And I'm so happy to have Ryan here, who is a professional scrum trainer. And uh, he's also, and this is what we want to talk about, a author, co-author of the book, Fixing Your Scrum, a Practical Solutions to Common Scrum Problems. He's the co-author of that book because Todd Miller is the other author and uh, he can unfortunately not be with us today uh, to record this podcast. But first and foremost, welcome to this podcast, Ryan. Yeah, Joe, thanks for having me. It's uh, been a long-time listener of Agile FM and... Uh, you know, came up through the trainer ranks with you, and it's just awesome to be able to uh, to connect with you again and uh, with your audience. Awesome, perfect. Yeah, we want to touch a little bit on um, on the book, right? Obviously, fixing your scrum. Uh, the book is uh, ready for pre-order, and as far as we know, the book will be uh, available, the paperback version, on January fifteenth. So people can already order that on their favorite um, bookstores, uh, including, for example, Amazon. I'm gonna make those links available on Agile FM on the website. Uh, Pre-ordering is available, but the book itself uh, doesn't ship before the fifteenth. So good timing to talk about this book. Um, well, so the book title itself uh, and the cover, which is a fire extinguisher. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, yeah. the right, so uh, the the book itself. Is, so so a little inside, a little inside baseball with the book, mm-hmm. the book making uh, process. So Todd and I actually we requested a dumpster fire, and in okay. uh, our in our publisher Pragmatic uh, Bookshelf, uh, it's Andy Hunt and Dave Thomas's group. They thought fire extinguisher might be a little more subtle, and so uh, we were going for dumpster fire, but we ended on fire extinguisher. <laughs> Tone it down a little bit, Ryan. Um, yeah, be a little more conservative. Right. The the title of the book, though, uh, Fixing Your Scrum, um, means that there's something not right in our industry or maybe something is broken. Um, is that the right interpretation of the title? Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. really close. Um, yeah. Todd and I sat down about two years ago, and we just were – we started riffing on um, – all these things that we kept seeing in Scrum implementations, like all these anti-patterns, all these problems, all of these uh, sub-optimizations that companies were making, and we started cataloging these a bit, and we realized there's all of these patterns of things that people and companies are doing within the framework that was really hurting them, the, the true anti-patterns. And we thought, you know what, what if we captured everything that we've seen in the wild over the past 20 years or so, um, and then how Todd and I go about solving them if we're doing training or coaching or some kind of transformation effort. So we really we wanted to focus on, we call it fixing your scrum because people make scrum their own. Mm-hmm. And they change the framework and they do weird things. I mean, Joe, I'm sure you've seen a thousand weird things that people right. have done with the framework. Mm-hmm. And we just want to pull that back and say, now, wait a minute. It's not bad to do different things, but why are you doing this thing? And how mm-hmm. is it hurting your ability to deliver? 
And are there, how could you investigate and prove whether or not your changes are actually working and, and bring all those ideas together. And so fixing your scrum is really that it's if things aren't going well, mm-hmm. if you're struggling with delivery, if scrum seem full, if, if you're not enjoying that journey, maybe this book can help. Maybe mm-hmm. we can uh, give, shed some light on why you're struggling. And then we actually, we didn't stop there. Mm-hmm. And then we said, now here's everything Todd and I know about this problem. Here's everything we do as consultants. We actually, Joe, it's funny. We had a fellow um, colleague of ours, someone who does a lot of transformation and coaching work, get kind of mad at us for this book. Um, he wrote us an email saying, guys, you can't publish this. I mean, you're, you're going to lose consulting work because of this. You, you've put too much in. <laughs> but that's what we were after. Yeah. Right? We really want people to read this and be able to solve their own problems. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also time to take, uh, let's say, the the community of of agile practitioners to the to the next level. And with so many teams out there around this world, there is no way other than with a book to reach these people. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an easier way to. Well, I shouldn't say easy. It's two two years of effort and a lot of late nights writing. And but I mean, it is one of the best ways that that we have right now to get knowledge out quickly. Um, videos, podcasts, you know, Agile FM is another great conduit, but Mm -hmm. we really felt capturing these things in a book and really trying to, you know, get these ideas out uh, could help spread. I love your idea around taking things to the next level. There's, there's gotta be a hundred books on scrum right now. And each one of them in one way or another has been some form of, well, here's what scrum is. And it's been very theoretical. Right. And, And what Todd and I have tried to do is just say, look, you know the frame. We don't. Need, we spend one page on the framework, maybe two. Mm-hmm. We basically say, go read the Scrum Guide, right? Go, right. go get grounded in it. And we really, we don't start at the basics. We go right into that intermediate and advanced uh, thinking and discussion around Scrum. And I think it is time. Twenty years, uh, Scrum's been around. I think it's time that we really kick it up a notch and and try to get. Uh, mm-hmm. these implementations of Scrum to a better place. Right. And I think that's an important point, right? Because it's it's not about going back to the roots, right? The uh, Like taking the book and it's like, like let's re-explain what Scrum is, right? Let's fix your Scrum and get back to what uh, the Scrum framework is. There's certainly an aspect of that, right? But the book definitely has a uh, pragmatic approach, right? Um, and, and I consider myself lucky that I had already a chance to see some of the, the, the content. So this is very pragmatic. This is very practical. And this is really like a book people, Scrum Masters in particular, obviously can take under their arms and walk around and use some of those things. Now, one thing um, is, is interesting, right, is at least this is my perception um, of many, many Scrum implementations out there. Um, Scrum seems to turn sometimes a little like, I call it robotic, um, yeah. check, checklists, etc. right? And when you look at the Scrum uh, implementations, I would say Scrum has no life, right? Low in energy. And it's just like people are just checking, hey, another sprint planning is in the box, right? And uh, we got it done and we got it completed. And But nobody really leaves these... Uh, these events then uh, let's say with a, with a smile on their face right this is like they're just like going through the motion of, of doing scrum how can teams that feel like similar to what i'm describing um, how could this book help them yeah we spend a lot of time on this problem uh, all throughout the book and it's really uh, th- there's a lot of things going on here right mechanical scrum is very common i think uh the the liberators out of the netherlands mm-hmm. uh you know, Barry Overeem and Christian Verjus, they, they say zombie scrum, Ron Jeffries calls it dark scrum, 
Todd and I just call it bad scrum. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 whether you call it mechanical bad, zombie, or dark, there's just these principles and values that are lacking, and so it becomes rote. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes very, uh, it becomes very legalistic. And so the point around mechanical scrum is to scrum very well at a very legalistic level. And the whole point, I mean, something that we put in the book that shocked a lot of our early reviewers was that Todd and I don't really care that much about Scrum, mm-hmm. right? We value empiricism. We want to bring forward transparency, inspection, and adaptation and use the Scrum values of focus, openness, courage, commitment, and respect to bring those learnings forward to make adaptations to our products as needed so that we can deliver the right thing at the right time to the right customer. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, Scrum is well positioned to help us do that, so that's what we teach, that's what we practice, that w- that's what we write about. Um, but we're really in it for the empiricism, and without a value-driven approach, like without having those values in place and without really having that, that sense of curiosity and experimentation, mm-hmm. empiricism can't work. And what I've seen so many times is that companies have gone to this mechanical version of Scrum to, invo- to avoid empiricism. Mm-hmm. They don't want to learn. They don't want to inspect and adapt. They want a 100-step one, process to product delivery nirvana, which no one can give you, mm-hmm. regardless of all the safe uh, marketing and materials, right? right? It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so instead, let's just let's bring some values into the picture. Let's bring empiric- empiricism to bear. And let's decide that we don't know everything up front. Let's mm-hmm. decide that we can't predict what every customer is going to want. Let's make that mindset shift and get out of those those broken, mechanical, bad, dark, zombie scrum uh, patterns. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, and that's actually a good point because we're talking about checklists here, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. in some organizations, even um, Scrum itself is a is a checklist item, right? Did I implement Scrum? Question mark. And maybe it's just like, oh, right, I just want to install, and I put this in quotes here, install. Uh, scrum in my organization i give them a two-day training and uh and, and they're going to go through the motion of it maybe maybe the way of how scrum is being introduced in an organization triggers on the other side the let's say the monoculture the robotic the mechanical the bad scrum dark scrum uh on the other side right so why is why is that so important what do you think uh obviously you you've been around the block and you you are a pst and uh, why do you why do you think is is that so important that an organization itself takes an empirical approach to the, approach to this? Well, it's no longer optional, right? I mm. think the companies that are going to survive today's marketplace will be tightly aligned to their customers, and and so far the way I have found to keep that alignment is to deliver things frequently, uh, gather rapid feedback, and make adaptations that keep your products relevant in the market. Mm. And so I, it's just table stakes now. 20 years ago, it was a cute idea um, that people could kind of dismiss because, you know, the blue chip companies were were, were, were fat, happy, and, and dumb, right? They were mm-hmm. just their, – their problem was success. Mm-hmm. And, and But today, uh, regardless of what industry you're in, uh, it can be banking, it can be the taxi cab industry, it can be real estate, there's a startup looking to destroy your market. Um, mm-hmm. Who would have ever thought that the taxicab industry would be upended by Uber or Lyft? Yes. Uh, who would have ever thought that the largest real estate company in the world would own zero real estate uh, and be Airbnb? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the banking industry dodged a bullet with ING. I think another start because they were purchased, I think, by Scotia Bank. Mm-hmm. I think there will be another startup 
that emerges that makes banking uh, more decentralized. It's it's just coming, Joe. I mean, you've yeah. seen this uh, in our product owner class, especially. We talk about companies like Kodak right. and, and BlackBerry, and a few. I mean, these were and Blockbuster, especially. Blockbuster is one of my favorite stories, right? They yeah. they owned. I mean, if you wanted to watch a movie, you went to Blockbuster. I mean, that was pretty much it. That was it, yeah. And uh, they they leveraged bad revenue through. I, I don't even want to talk about how many late fees I've paid to Blockbuster in my <laughs> in my twenties. But uh, they leverage bad revenue, and they I think they actually had an opportunity to buy Netflix for like 20 or 30 million or something like that back when it was uh, a new thing, and they passed on it because who would ever want to stream movies, right? Exactly. And uh, they just could not adapt. They couldn't. They weren't aligned to customer. They were aligned to uh, the the profits that they were always that they were used to, mm-hmm. and they just they fell apart. I was actually in Portland, Oregon. Uh, a few months ago, and I saw the last standing operating blockbuster video, and it's just kind of sad. It, it yeah. just, um, oh, wow. but that's the future. That's You're it. either going to embrace empiricism, inspect, adapt, align to a customer. Or you're going to end up like so many of these former blue chips who just get smoked mm-hmm. uh, by startups. Yeah, I think it's also interesting the the rate of change, right? It's not only that, like all these examples we just had, they were like happening in the last 10, 15 years, right? Not in the last two hundred years or one hundred and fifty years. These are very short term. If you really look at a grand scheme of things of uh, business life before the uh, end of. Uh, you know, 2000, let's say, right, was much, much longer, like the Kodaks, right? They were in business for a long time, and oh, yeah. the rate of change is uh, is increasing. So uh, absolutely, yeah. Now, I want to talk about one topic uh, here as a sentence. Um, I obviously enjoy sentences like this, but um, I do know, based on my experiences, some people have a hard time with that. But Scrum Master's work is never done, right? So it's never really completed. Um, some people... Uh, might hear that sentence and uh, feel like uncomfortable with this, right? It's like, so, so what's my, you know, people who are looking for accomplishment at work, and it's like, when am I done? Yeah, perfectly uh, describing uh, the, the job description of a Scrum Master, but that that's not what it is, right? Uh, Scrum Master's work is, I think it's also exploration and, uh, and working with teams and organizations and product owners like what you just described. How, and Maybe we are connecting this to uh, pieces of your book and create a little bit of curiosity. How can your book help Scrum Masters who are seeking advice on what is actually the role of a Scrum Master and, and why is my work never really done? Um, and give them some guidelines around that and still feel good at work, going home at 5 p.m., let's say, or 6 yeah. p.m., and still feel like the moment of accomplishment or saying, like, I have something completed today. Yeah, when we say the the work of the Scrum Master is never done, what we're really talking about is that rate of change that you mentioned, Joe. Mm-hmm. I mean, we there's this myth, uh, there's a there's a, a number of myths around the Scrum Master role that that you can rotate it among the development team members, that you can just have uh, people switch on and off uh, that role, or just just pull a project manager over with no training and just have them you know still manage the team or. Um, the part-time uh, scrum master, all these different things, and it really diminishes the value and importance of that role in the first place. And so we want people going home feeling good about the work they're doing. We want people going home believing that and knowing that they've contributed to a team. Mm-hmm. And so this, in the book, I mean, first of all, we're kind of hard on the scrum master. It yeah. is kind of a wake-up call for scrum masters that 
we believe, and, and we put this in print, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of feedback about this, that the majority of times where we've seen scrum teams fail, it was a scrum master who was settling. It was a scrum master who, it was a scrum master who um, tolerated organizational or team impediments. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a pretty big wake-up call to them. Yes. Um, the reason that their job is never done, Joe, is that those impediments morph and change and emerge constantly, mm -hmm. right? I've yet to see a company where no one leaves and markets don't shift and budgets don't become constrained and, and we have to make more difficult decisions. Like all of these things, like it's a complex world mm -hmm. and these things are constantly at play. And so as Scrum Master, our role is to, is to help organizations and teams make sense of the complexity through the use of the Scrum framework uh, and through just good agile practice and to help them constantly refocus and reshape what they could and should be doing to serve a customer. Since that constantly changes, our work is never complete. But we always we do have wins, mm -hmm. right? There are wins when we release product. Another thing that we're really hard about Scrum Masters on is that first and foremost, we are here to support delivery. It doesn't matter if you did the best retrospective ever. It doesn't matter if your facilitation is completely on point if you haven't delivered anything in six months. Mm -hmm. The point is not to get great at Scrum. The point is to enable and empower teams to deliver. And the challenges that come up that prevent delivery, like they never end. Mm -hmm. They're all changing. And every day we've got this new battle to fight. We've got these new people to support. We've got these new opportunities in the organization. I, I find the role to be fascinating because every day is different. Mm -hmm. And who I'm talking to could be different. And my job is... I got one day I'm in the organization, the next day I'm working with a product owner, the next day we're at a customer site, I'm helping facilitate a conversation that the product owner is struggling with. Mm -hmm. The next day the dev team is concerned about uh, quality and technical excellence, and so we're finding ways to, to raise the bar there. And mm -hmm. So when I say the work is never done, that shouldn't be, that's not a scrum master staring into the abyss and freaking out that they'll never <laughs> have an accomplishment. I think, I think it's a call to arms, it's a, it's a call to them to raise their game that um, you are constantly going to see crazy and amazing things that are preventing your team from delivery. And your job, first and foremost, mm -hmm. is to take care of those things. And every one of those things you check off, every everything you do that makes delivery a little easier, those mm -hmm. are your wins. Right. But I think one other point here, Joe, is so important about the Scrum Master, something that Todd and I really hammer into, is that nothing about the Scrum Master role is about the Scrum Master. Hmm. It's not about you. And that's really difficult, especially it was difficult for me. I don't know. I don't know about you, Joe, when hmm. I, I transitioned from a project manager to a scrum master. Do you remember those days? I do. Yes. Way back. Yeah. And so well, I'm not, I didn't mean it like that, but I mean, it's been about 20 years for me too. And back when I was a project manager, everything was about me. I was the one making the decisions. I was the one driving people to, to a date. I was the one in front of board of directors making the speech. I was That's the one right. presenting. And as a scrum master, Joe, we're in the back of the room proudly watching our dev team show off their software and talking to stakeholders and getting feedback about their product. And it's a really hard shift because none of this role is about you. That's and right. it's your, your role is to serve others. And, and we really call this stuff forward. And we are really trying to provoke an introspective moment for Scrum Masters, and then we provide, I mean, we're going to build people back up and help them throughout the book build up their practice, build up their toolbox, build up their skill set, 
but with the right mindset. Mm-hmm. And, and we really hope that that shines through in the book and that it helps people take that leap from that, that newer intermediate scrum master and set them on that journey mm-hmm. uh, to advance scrum mastery. That's right. So the I think the key word you said uh, and that really um, strikes here is is the word settle, right? So I think when you I think you're perfectly dead on with this one, right? So when teams, uh, when you see scrum masters and they settle and they settle for like a status quo, and then the things pop up like, hey, couldn't this be done by a ten percent scrum master? You know, like all these kind of uh, discussions you have, right? But if you do fill this role according to what you just described, right, that role is a full time role, right? That that role. Um, could really make a difference on the team, and and you do walk out and and feel um, a sense of accomplishment, just more on the the product side, right? Not rather than being the hero, um, like what you just said about on the on the project management role, right? Um, I do think uh, what you just said about the advancing uh, the scrum master role. Um, I I don't think it's a secret, right, uh, among the scrum community. Um, I know for sure you love teaching advanced scrum master courses. Um, in particular, the PSM two, right? Am I? Am I? Oh, am I, absolutely. Yeah, great course. And uh, this book um, now, considering, and, and you do teach with Todd uh, quite a bit and co-teaching, and obviously it's a great way of uh, um, working through a class and extremely valuable for the uh, for the audience. Now, how does this book connect with a class, right? So, is this a pre-read? Is this a post-read? Is this a during the class read, or is it a little bit of both? You know, I, I think this book would be would be good for either pre or post, um, mm. especially for that PSM two class that you mentioned. You know, in, in that advanced scrum master class that you know, and Joe, you teach it as well, and mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and it, I, I think as you well know, we're provoking introspective moments in that class. That's like right. we are trying to get a scrum master to sit back and say, how can I better leverage servant leadership to be a competitive advantage in my organization. And we do that through a series of liberating structures and activities throughout the course. And I think this book is a good reinforcement of those lessons once mm-hmm. the Scrum Master learns them. So maybe it's a better post-PSM2 book because it's a, it's a good reinforcement of the ideals, the principles. And actually throughout the book, Joe, we put a lot of liberating structures uh, along the way to help rediscover mm-hmm. some of these ideas. Right. So now that I think about it, you've, you've caught me on the fly, but... I think this is a better post-advanced Scrum Master class book mm-hmm. um, if we're tying it to the class um, because it reinforces the ideas. Now, if someone's going to take that class, and there's plenty of people out there who won't, mm-hmm. um, first of all, I think you're missing out. I mean, I'm a little biased, so think with a grain of salt. But I think, um, I think this class can be valuable to a lot of Scrum Masters. But if you're not going to take that class, I think this book could really be an excellent way to kind of provoke those introspective moments and to mm-hmm. help you along that path as well. Yeah. So maybe it is. It's a it's a it's a good book if you're not going to sit in that class. If you are going to sit that class, Post-week. maybe use that book to reinforce the ideas afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, people who are interested, listeners right now on Agile FM, uh, listening to our conversation here is who are interested in actually seeing you and Todd in action teaching this course. They have an opportunity in New York on the third and fourth of March. Um, and that is a PSM2. Um, and uh, obviously, I mean, uh, I'm just going to put this out. If, if people, um, if more people, and we're going to do actually something together. We call that the the Agile Power Week. So we're actually bundling a few things together. Uh, Mary and Tom Poppendick will um, do a class. 
We can do a leadership course. We do an agile transformation coach a certification course. So we're doing a lot of things in parallel in that week in New York. And on the third day, and um, also inviting you guys to this one, uh, we're going to do an open space um, event where we're actually learning about agile transformation. And we can certainly connect the role of a scrum master to that, all for those folks coming out of this uh, PSM2 training uh, with you guys. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, maybe you bring a few books. You guys can sign the books and participants can leave with a signed copy by the authors of this brand new book. I'll, I'll, tell, you what, I'll tell you what, Joe. I'll bring... And so, you know what? If people don't want Todd and I to wreck the book by signing it, we certainly won't. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I'll bring the book. Every person who attends that PSM2 class, mm-hmm. will, they, they will have a copy of our book waiting for them. Awesome. Perfect. Sounds great, and I'm looking forward to spending those uh, days with you guys, and uh, we'll make it a, a massive success here in, in New York, and doing really taking agile, various agile topics into a pressure cooker, and give people a great, great new learning environment. Well, it, it's it's a great lineup. Like Todd and I are super excited to come out to New York and work with that community. We've uh, we've both spent some time there in the past, and it, it's just an awesome community of people. So we're Certainly looking forward to that. Can't wait to get the, the book in front of people at that event. Um, yeah, certainly looking for feedback, right? We want people to we want people to use it though. Mm-hmm. You're gonna buy this book, crack it open, do some of the activities, really think through some of the, the questions we pose and yeah, please use it. Let us know how it's impacting your work. And uh, yeah, join us in New York for that PSM too. Todd and I uh, we now I shouldn't admit this, so I again a little more inside baseball here. I'm the I'm actually the steward for the Professional Agile Leadership course mm-hmm. at Scrum.org. But I gotta say, when Todd and I are co-teaching the PSM2, that's probably one of my most favorite uh, courses to teach. Yes. And so mm-hmm. you get a chance to come join us, I think you're gonna see Todd and I at our happiest, but also trying to have the biggest possible impact um, for the Scrum Masters who decide to join us. Oh, sounds awesome. And uh, I can only verify that. I've seen you guys in action and uh, that's the sweet spot. And I'm uh, super excited for everybody who is going to be in that in that room during these two days. Uh, you can find out more on, on incremental.com. But ex- again, all these links will be available on Agile FM. Now, Ryan, I want to say thank you. And just last but not least, the two authors, uh, Ryan Ripley, uh, that is in one word, Ryan Ripley at, uh, that is the uh, Twitter handle and Todd Miller can be reached at the uh, Twitter at Todd underscore Todd with two D's Todd underscore Miller 11. Uh, these are the two Twitter handles. If you guys want to connect with these guys, uh, thank you so much. And uh, obviously another good source of information is the Agile for Humans podcast. Thank you so much, Ryan. Hey, Joe, thanks for having me. Uh, really enjoyed this and hope we get to do it again. Awesome. I'll see you in March. See you in March. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.